I'll say, bless the Lord. If you say, oh, my soul, bless the Lord. Bless his holy name. Well, good evening, Kairos. I'm Chris Brooks. I'm the pastor here. Um, I am so excited that you guys got to hear from Jason Cook last week. Um, I'm honored to call him friend. We went to the same divinity school. We got mentored by the same uh, preaching professor. And so um, I take what he says to heart and very seriously. And so he made fun of me for looking perpetually homeless last week. And so I promptly went out and got a haircut. Uh, <laughs> not sure what to do about that, but uh, it's, yeah. Um, so thank you, Jason, for that rebuke and encouragement. Um, but wow, what a strong word from the Lord, and I hope Jason will come back and be a friend of ours for a long, long time. So thank you for permission um, to be away. Um, with your blessing, my wife and I, we went and led some ministers in a marriage retreat of sorts. I can't believe they called me, uh, which was great. Finally, I made a joke about no one's ever gonna call me for a marriage retreat, and there you go. So no one's ever gonna give me a million dollars, but that's beside the point. <laughs> um, so we had a great time just encouraging um, some ministers and spouses how to honestly and vulnerably talk about where they're at in life. And so thank you guys for permission um, to do that. And I have to confess to you, I'm fully alive right now because of the weather. It does my soul so good when spring is sprung. I, I've got a 19-year-old Jeep. The top's been off for five days. Um, it's much better with a haircut. Um, I've been frying like a piece of bacon with no sunscreen on and just to the glory of God, soaking up as much vitamin D as I possibly can. Um, and that's honestly the image, uh, hopefully, that our souls will feel like when we sit underneath God's word tonight. That spring is sprung. I don't know if any of you guys are fans of C.S. Lewis and the Chronicles of Narnia, um, but it always says Aslan, the Christ figure, when Aslan's on the move, winter begins to thaw, and spring has started to sprung. I mispronounced that, but read C.S. Lewis. He's much better than I am. But I, I don't know where you're at. I, I don't know if your soul's in an awakening and a joyful and a content place, and if so, bless the Lord. If you're just starting to be aware that you're in winter, um, I pray that the thaw of the gospel and the glory and goodness of Jesus will reach you right where you're at tonight. Um, the good news is simply this. Jesus Christ has come, he has died, he has risen, and he's coming again. And we get an opportunity to be a part of that story because of his life, death, and resurrection. Amen? So let's jump right in. We're in Matthew chapter 20 tonight. I'm going to read you a, a short story and possibly one of my favorite passages. Um, when we're in Matthew chapter 20, while we're uh, turning there, I'd love for us to pray together. Jesus, we love you. We want to hear from you. Holy Spirit, would you give us eyes to see and ears to hear. Jesus, would you go before us in this text and make a way? And together we say, speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Amen. Matthew chapter 20, we'll start in verse 29. As Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, Son of David, 
have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet. But they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called to them, what do you want me to do for you? Lord, they answered, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately, they received their sight and followed him. I'll say the word of the Lord if you'll say thanks be to God. The word of the Lord. What a phenomenal passage of scripture. Uh, let me give you a couple contextual clues because here's, there's a lot of things going on here that r- really crank my tractor. Um, I, this is, I, I get really, really excited about that. I just want to use as many farming analogies as possible because it's like the last thing in the am. I've got a couple friends that are farmers um, and secretly um, envious of those kind of job skills. Um, I can kill a lot of plants though uh, and eat them. So uh, I just love it because this is a pretty comedic scene if you kind of just flush it out, all right? There's a lot of different expectations going on of people, social norms being violated. So they're getting ready to head over into the Passover feast. Jericho is about 15 miles northeast of Jerusalem. So Jesus and his disciples are trying to take off through town. A huge crowd is following them. In the rabbinical fashion, that would probably be the classroom. As Jesus traveled, he would teach. And so the crowd is gathering around, shuffling silently, trying to hear what this incredible master uh, Lord has words of life has to say. Now, another fun part about this is Jericho is one of the wealthiest cities at the time. And during Passover, that's when there would have been special attention given by the Jewish people to give to poor people, to give to people who were marginalized and have no other sources of income. So if you were the right beggar with the right sign at the right stoplight in Jericho, like we'll work for beer, just being honest, that kind of thing, you can make a killing this time of year. Some scholars say that during this time, they could possibly get enough money to last them for the next seven to eight months. Because wealthy city, everyone's given to the poor. And then there's this famous rabbi traveling through town. So there's high traffic and here comes a crowd. And these two blind beggars are by the side of the road. Now, I like it when people uh, disrupt and act out. Maybe that's because that's from my childhood and I I secretly need to heal from old wounds. That kind of stuff doesn't bother me. I don't like ADD, disruptive, you know, buck the system type people. But you have to just think these guys have nothing to lose. And those are the people that are most fun and dangerous to be around, am I right? It's, It's got nothing to lose, nothing to prove. They got a shot and they're gonna take it. And even to add insult to injury, right? Uh, They're probably marginalized from society. They don't have any job prospects of providing for themselves. It might be an embarrassment to their family. Given the society, Rome's probably rejected them. And then there's this oldie moldy theology going around that perhaps they sinned or their parents sinned. And that's the reason why they're blind. Because disciples actually asked Jesus that question at one point in time. And so they've probably been kicked down, pushed out, made fun of, rejected long enough that they don't care about what the rules of polite society or religious norms are. All they hear is that Jesus is in the vicinity and they shout out, 
Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Or as one of my favorite songwriters has written a song about this passage of scripture, he says, Lord, son of David, don't pass us by. Now, with all due respect to the visually impaired community, this is a little bit comedic because how do they know they're not getting punked? Jesus is walking by. How do they know someone's not just messing with them? Hey, Jesus is coming. Son of David, don't pass us by. And they're like, ah, nah, he's nowhere near, right? Matthew, maybe for scroll space, is just trying to save time. I imagine they probably had to shout this at least five or six, 10, 15, or 20 times. I don't know if they had a wrap down by the time that Jesus actually got in the vicinity, that they alternate. I don't know if any of them are going hoarse, but they don't care. They don't care if they look foolish. They don't care if they're getting made fun of. They don't care if other people are messing with them. Just the mere hint and rumor of Jesus being in the vicinity lets them risk everything to shout out, son of David, don't pass us by. And then it gets even better because what happens when they shout that out, right? The crowd parts, everyone's just affirmed for their faith. They're like, oh my goodness, please get the poor and needy who we've been neglecting our entire lives to Jesus. No, all the religious nerds are crowding around Jesus. And what do they do when they disrupt the classroom? Well, it says this, the crowd sternly rebuked them. I imagine that's because Matthew didn't want to record profanities in the gospel, okay? <laughs> you guys know who this is, right? If you grew up in church, there, you know whose mom this was. She's basically the Christian bouncer, right? <laughs> She's got Emily Post's rules of etiquette tattooed on her upper arm, right? And the second you're looking around on your phone doing something, like she's gonna give you a cross with a right and an uppercut with a left, because we just don't do that in the house of God, right? And she's gonna bless you in Jesus' name, but she's gonna take you out. Because nothing is getting in the way of the religious function and service, and we will show proper respect. So the crowd sternly rebukes them in the Greek, shut up! What is their response to being religiously rejected once again? They slink away in shame, they hide in fear, do they say, oh, well, we gave it one shot. I guess Jesus doesn't hear us. Oh, well, let me give up. No, they've got nothing to lose. They're going for it. It says it made them shout all the more loudly, son of David, have mercy on us. And again, I like the people who got nothing to lose, right? Because you can be the cockiest person in the crowd if you don't care what happens to you. Because I imagine someone's just like, hey, dude, shut up, or I'm going to knock your lights out. And they'll be like, go ahead, power bill's been off for 10 years, bro. Take your best shot. I'll even give you two if I flinch, right? <laughs> like, what are you, you going to do to them? They've been kicked down, pushed out, marginalized their whole life. Isn't it interesting? Sometimes the very people we exclude, God has divine plans for. And if you've ever experienced that, chances are you're on his list of someone he wants to get in the vicinity of and see if you might just shout out for him. Maybe you can't see him. Maybe you've only heard rumors of him. But if you know he's in the vicinity and someone's been talking about him, will you risk everything to shout out, son of David, have mercy on me. Don't pass me by. 
What happens next in the text is great. It says, Jesus stopped and called to them, what do you want me to do for you? Now, one of the reasons I could be wrong that Jesus stops is because of the name that they call him. Son of David. Interesting. For me, that's as much a provocation as it is a proclamation of faith. Son of David has deep, deep ties to the Jewish community and the Davidic covenant that God made with David that someone would sit on the throne of David forever and rule and reign. The Messianic prophecy started to say that the son of David would come and reestablish his rule and his reign and the promised land would bring forth the promised one. And so what they're saying is not only full of faith or maybe doubt, but it's a taunt as much as it is a test to see, are you really who you say you are? Son of David, don't pass us by. Because if you are the good and righteous king, the son of God who has come, then that means you can do something about my situation. Now, A lot of people may have been more than willing in this text to say, yes, son of David. In fact, they're going to throw him a triumphal entry when he comes in because they want him to go ahead and make him king by force and establish them back as a country and be out of oppression. What got Jesus in a lot of trouble is he claimed to be the son of God. That part they weren't willing to take in. I wonder if for you and I, especially those of us who have been around Christianity for a while, if we don't have the exact opposite problem. Yeah, son of God, Jesus, it's great. I I trust him with my afterlife. I I can't wait to go to heaven when I die. Son of David, who wants to rule and reign in my life right now and make a difference? I don't know about that. I know you know him as the son of God, some of you. Do you know him as the son of David? who wants to walk right by you and see if your eyes are fully open to the reality of the kingdom of God that he wants to drop down in the midst of your life? Or are we just too busy, too worried, or too scared? When's the last time you shouted out in prayer, in desperation and in faith, son of David, don't pass us by. Have you ever been there in the hospital parking garage after just visiting a family or a friend member and the prognosis is not good and it doesn't look good and you're beating your steering wheel and tears are coming down your eyes and all you're saying is, son of David, don't pass us by. You ever been there for a friend's marriage or your parents' marriage or your own marriage and you're like, I have... No idea how long this has been going on. I know how how we're going to get over the betrayal. But son of David, have mercy on us. Don't you dare pass us by. You ever been sitting outside the job you just got fired from? And you don't know how you're going to tell the people who are depending on you or the parents who paid for the education for you to get that job in the first place. And all the things that you leverage to come here to try to prove to everyone that you are worthy and you are valuable and it just turned to ash in your hands. Son of David, have mercy on me. Don't pass us by. Have you ever been there? 
I was telling the staff, uh, I was my first year as a pastor on a church staff. I had to go into a hospital uh, visit. And I, I, don't, I don't like hospitals, okay? Um, if you're emotionally in pain, go ahead and bleed all over me, and I'm happy as a pig in mud. Like, I'm like, sweet, this is where I operate. This, this bath water is warm. Let's jump in. Actual physical pain, and I fold. I wilt, okay? It's just bad, okay? I start getting the heebie-jeebies. I have a difficult time. I'm like, you need my wife. She's stronger than me. This, I'm, not, I'm no good in this situation. And just walked into a catastrophic situation that a family was dealing with and realized I have no words. And the only thing that I could pray with them and all the way back down the hospital in the elevator in my car ride back is, son of David, have mercy on them. Please don't pass them by. I don't know what to do and I don't know what you can do, but please have mercy on them. They confess Jesus as the son of David. And they say, please don't pass us by. And he just stops and he asks this incredible question, which he learned from his father who gave it to Adam and Eve in the garden. What do you want me to do for you? Now, again, comedic text, just a little bit, right? Did anybody ever think Jesus needs new PR, right? I think that's a Twitter handle or something. I don't know. I don't look at it. But um, if I was managing like Jesus's ministry, I, I would try to get like the 13th disciple, put on like a black tunic, maybe drink something with chai and a tea bag hanging out. I'd have some really hipster glasses on and I'd tug him on the back like this. And he's in the middle of two blind guys who've been shouting at him. He stops to minister to them. And then he asks them, what do you want me to do for you? I'm like, ooh. Not well played, Jesus. You just kind of want to tug him on the back of the tunic and be like, Jesus, um, excuse me. <laughs> I know when I decided to follow you, I didn't get the spiritual gift of prophecy, but <laughs> I'm going to go out on a limb here. I think they went their sight. <laughs> Could be wrong, but I'm not, okay? <laughs> like, why, why, is Jesus trying to humiliate these guys? Is he trying to prove a point? Like, why does he do things like that? I think he just wants to see what kind of answer we're going to give. I think he wants us to actually ask for what we really want. Do we have the guts to name it? And do we have the guts to ask for it? Now, mind you, they could have asked for a heck of a tip, right? It's Jesus. Judas is saving up money anyway. He's probably going to be like, yeah, 50 shekels, brah. Let's go. Woo-hoo. That could have been set, but they don't do that, right? They don't think in terms of their current life, their current circumstances, and their current power. For some reason, these blind people have seen the reality of the supernatural, which is more real than the scene, and they go for it. We want to see. And I have to admire these guys because they're, they're not as bitter and jaded as I am. I don't know about you, but sometimes... I hedge my bets and my prayers because I don't want to be disappointed. I'm afraid to ask for things that God's told me to ask for because either I don't think I deserve it or I don't think he's actually going to do it. And again, if I'm in this text and I'm one of these dudes and someone asks me, I'm blind, what do you want me to do for you? I'm going to go straight to sarcasm. Well, Jesus, thanks for asking. As a matter of fact, 
I've always wanted curly hair instead of straight. And Frank here, why well, he's got a hankering for a PB&J and manna. What do you think we want? We want to see. Are you the son of David or not? What's going on here? But again, they're not as bitter and cynical as you and I are. They've been kicked down, pushed down, and they are as desperate as they are willing. And I love what one commentator says. He says, the faith of the blind men rose to the full height of the divine possibilities in front of them. And that's my prayer for us this week. And even in the midst of our spiritual blindness, that we might be able to rise to the full height of the divine possibilities that are right in front of us. When Jesus, the Messiah, the word made flesh who dwells among us is in the vicinity, can we shout out, son of David, have mercy on us, don't pass us by. But I do give you this disclaimer. I make no guarantees about how, what, when, and where. There's no magical secret prayer incantation that I can give you that will bend God's will to yours. And the only really predictable thing about God and how he interacts with us as his children is, he's notoriously unpredictable. Tell him you're supposed to pick the firstborn, he picks the second one. Tell him you need to pick someone with this kind of religious resume, he picks the absolute worst sinner in the group and says, yes, you, you're next which is fun and wild, but it is dangerous, it's not safe, and it's wildly adventurous. So my question for us tonight, will we be the kind of people this week when there's circumstances and situations that seem so far beyond redemption and healing and hope for those who are around and for ourselves? Could we possibly be armed with a prayer straight from scripture. Son of David, have mercy on us. Don't pass us by. One last caveat. The blind men, they got their sight and immediately they followed him. Isn't that neat? Do you know what would happen in just a week's time? One of the first things that they would see their pupils would become dilated with the beautiful catastrophe of Jesus being crucified on a cross in all of its technicolor glory. The son of David who healed them, the promised one, the son of God, crucified, dead, and buried. And then guess what? Risen from the grave. And you know what his last words were before he left his disciples? Now you have to go and tell everyone what you've seen and what you've heard. So make no mistakes. When the son of David chooses to intervene, that's not just a right, that's a responsibility. And chances are what he's releasing in you, it's because he wants to release through you. Amen? Let's take 120 seconds. Just take time to pray and reflect and listen. This is time is designed for us to take ownership and responsibility of the one thing that had your name on it tonight. And if I could be so bold, I'd just like to give you two questions during this time, to pray, to journal, to write. 
and to talk to Jesus about. Answer this question straight from the mouth of Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? You're on the side of the road. You can't really see how or what things are gonna work out. And you've cried out, son of David, don't pass me by. He locks eyes with you. He steps up and he says this, what do you want me to do for you? What's your answer? Don't be bashful. Don't worry about mixed motivations, selfish motivations. Just tell him like a child would. He can handle it. Have the courage to say something for the first time. Fight through the cynicism and bitterness to say it for the thousandth time. interesting in the gospels blindness always serves as a metaphor for people who are spiritually blind to the realities of what Jesus is up to maybe the answer is the same as the blind beggars I just want to see I need to see a glimmer of hope or a glimmer of your activity I need to know that you haven't forsaken me. You ready for the second question? Now return the favor. Ask Jesus, what do you want me to do for you? After all, it's only polite. He's asked you. Is there anything that the Lord would be leading you to? Any obedience left undone? Any prompting ignored? Any sin unconfessed? Any call unheard? Ask Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Let's listen together.